Hey, real quick, a quick word of thanks to today's sponsor, Vertex Innovations, before we get started. For over 17 years, Vertex has been building the nation's wireless and broadband networks. Providing project management, network engineering, and construction oversight are just some of the ways Vertex helps their clients. So if you're looking for more of a partner to help you with your wireless network designs, construction, implementation, or operations, reach out to Vertex. You can find them at vertex-us.com. That's V-E-R. TEX-US.com. Welcome to the 5G Guys Podcast, the premier resource for industry insiders and newcomers alike to explore anything and everything wireless telecommunication. We discuss, explain, and explore all things wireless technology. So let's dive right in. Welcome your host, Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith. Welcome back for another episode of the 5G Guys. I'm Wayne Smith and joined by my co-host, Dan McBall. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode. Great to have you once again. Hey, uh, before we get started, I wanted to share some exciting news. Uh, This week, uh, 5G Guys debuted on Feedspot.com's list for best 5G technology podcast. So uh, congrats, Wayne. Uh, Great to get some recognition. We debuted at number five. It's exciting. So yeah, thanks to Feedspot for the recognition. And, uh, you know, we know that uh, we depend on you listeners to spread the word, but it's nice to have some independent recognition that might help get the word out about what Wayne and I are trying to, to get out there with 5G guys. So super exciting. So so with that, on to this week's episode. Uh, our last episode, Wayne and I reviewed all of our podcasts that we did year to date for 2021. It was super cool um, highlighting that stuff. So today... And for the next uh, episode or two after this, we're going to um, tackle 2022, our forecasts, our predictions, topics that we hope to tackle uh, next year in the podcast. So so with that, Wayne, what are your thoughts? Man, there's a ton of talk to talk about. Um, so this will be a multi-part episode where we'll come back and address different pieces of it. I think it's just too much for one podcast. It's mm-hmm. pretty exciting. I think with coming out of 2020, 2021 was a reset stage. Now moving into 2022, super excited with, you know, what's going on in the industry and more in line with business and finance. Okay. So yeah. with that, let's jump in, man. Let's go. Sweet. So what's what's front of mind for you? What are you expecting big in terms of the, the industry as a whole next year? Oof. I think the, C, the C-band, A block, you know, implementation from the, the carriers are, is going to be big. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to, we're going to start to see because of it in the speed, you're going to see development of actually 5G technology, not necessarily the network, but apps and different applications utilizing the bandwidth and low latency and this. So that's really exciting to see how that comes to life after building. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For, and, for, and just for our, 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 uh, our listeners, if you didn't listen to episode 17, go back and listen to that. That's where we tackled what C-band is. And there's a lot of issues, by the way, around it, right? The FAA coming out, Verizon and, eight, and AT&T, as of recording this episode, are still planning to delay their deployment on C-band. So I guess before we jump off of that to the next one, what do you... What do you think is going to happen? you think it's just going to be a, a month delay like AT&T and Verizon has said? Or do you th- see that impacting the rollout of 5G on C-band next year? Mm, I think the carriers are going to approach it with caution. Mm. And I think they're going to go ahead and make the necessary moves to implement that. 
whether they turn that up as quickly as we do. I think, you know, both AT&T and Verizon are responsible companies. They're going to listen to what the FAA has to say. And, but yet, you know, um, we need to move forward with the technology and they've, and I, th- I think that they will, and they'll continue to build out. They may not be as aggressive mm-hmm. in 2022, but I do think we'll move forward with it Yeah, and they'll, they'll get past it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they spent, like I know from some of the work I've done this last year, um, they've spent a ton of money already in 2021 preparing to roll out C-band in 2022. So they've, they've got a fair amount of capital already sunk into their networks to prepare their sites for this. So yeah, I, I don't expect it to have a, a major delay, but it, it may be longer than a month. I wouldn't be surprised if that delay rolls out. And, you know, they may say the delay is due to the, to this issue, but and we'll get into a little bit later some other things that might cause some delays for them in 2022 as well. Yeah. You know, um, I do think if it's delayed too long, it does create an unfair competitive advantage for T-Mobile. Mm. You know, government approved their transaction of Sprint. Government now steps in to stop to other main players. I think you got to be really careful and walk that fine line. And and it's exciting technology. We know that AT&T and Verizon have vast networks. Mm-hmm. Putting the C-band on top of it, it's better for all of us. And so we want that to happen. And I'm not saying that uh, uh, you know, T-Mobile doesn't have a great network. I'm just saying I'm ready to see some results of it and see how it, you know, and, you know continues to move the needle. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, what else you got? Uh, so obviously 5G, anything more around 5G? Mm, let me see. The only thing I had is fixed 5G is starting to make some huge in, impact. I think um, with the rollout, um, it will impact the MVNO market. And, you know, it'll give more opportunities to fix network. I think they're starting to make inroads, you know, as far as broadband. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be huge in this year. So for fixed uh, network for our listeners, what that means is instead of getting internet service to your house, your business from a wired facility like cable, phone line, that we're going to start seeing 5G service come to your home, to your business through some sort of wireless solution. There might be an antenna on the building, may not, maybe a, a set-top box that goes inside the the building. But But either way... I, I agree. I think we're going to start seeing a lot of 5G. In fact, probably as much 5G rollout that's fixed wireless to compete so that a Verizon could come to a market where they don't have fixed line access and they could compete for internet service with the incumbent cable and local exchange carrier for broadband, right? Yeah. And everything I've heard about it has been really reliable and super fast. Yeah. You know, so it's a good service and competitively priced. So I think that's it. Other 5G notes. I think that's it. I think there's other areas that, you know. You know, one one prediction I saw from a publication was that they're predicting, and this will maybe be a good segue into another area. They're predicting that um, satellite launch of broadband from companies like SpaceX will will launch and challenge 5G, compete with 5G. So that'll be a good segue. Let's talk about the satellite. but But before we just dig into that, I don't see satellite competing head to head with 5G, not next year. You know, 5G and the types of things that 5G, if you listen to a lot of our episodes from this last year, it's giving a much more enhanced version of wireless that gives you not just better throughput, but the latency and the 
the, the massive, massive broadband. That's not what satellite's designed to do. The latency of, of satellite alone is significant. So I, I think that was a pretty poor prediction by, and I won't say who it was, but having said that, satellite absolutely, I think, is it's going to be a big year for satellite broadband, I think. Yeah, and here's where I think it takes place. It starts to dipl- displace rural internet access. And I think what you see, you know, we had the direct TV and even DISH's offering of satellite. It will, it's going to put hurting on those guys, mm-hmm. Ma- mainly because the infrastructure in those old satellite type providers in the rural market, it's not enough speed for what users do. We have, a, we have quite a few employees who work remote and, and uh, you know, now that we're all, you can live anywhere and do whatever you want. Some of these places they're struggling with bandwidth, like mm-hmm. even for some of the point to multipoint market wave, sat, existing satellite services, they can only get 10, 15 megabits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, it's not, a, a, that's not enough data. I'm, I'm starting to consistently see to get good employee efficiency working in cloud-based services. You know, 50 megabits is really where they need to be as a minimum. Mm-hmm. And when we when we're not there, we start to have issues with connectivity. So I do think Starlink, once they get up, they're going to take a lot of that market share and it's going to appear that they're doing really well. But they're displacing just tired old either point to multi point or, you know, satellite service. So I do think 2022 would be, be a big year for those guys. Well, and, you know, the other thing is it's kind of perfect timing because, as we all know, with the shutdown in 2020, what we all experienced was this whole change in the workforce, right? And and we've started seeing, if you look at demographics, people are moving away from the urban corridor. They're living more remotely from where they work because they don't go to the office as much. And so when you combine that change and just sort of how we work and live as a society with the launch of a technology that enables that even more, I would not be surprised to see if that shift of where people live and work will continue and maybe even grow in 2022 over what we've seen in the last, you know, 2020 and 2021. Don't know. That's a bit of a stretch um, based on that, just on gut instinct and not any analysis I've seen, but would not surprise me a bit to see that convergence uh, really kind of build, build upon each other. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, a weird thing that we haven't talked about in the episodes, and since this is fine, is inflation. Hmm. And inflation in some markets, which are rural markets, although it's really expensive for them, people moving into those markets, it's really not. Mm-hmm. And so I think that'll start to play in some more transitory movement of of people into those areas, which they'll need broadband. I mean, like I said, we're it's a real world issue with us and some of our remote employees at Vertex. Mm. And we've been testing devices. We've even went out to, uh, we have a case um, in rural Virginia. And we went out in the fixed or the multi, uh, point to multi-point provider. We're like, we'll pay you double. Got it up to 15 megabits. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we can, there's no, a lot of, not a lot of solutions. So the solution demand is there and it would be a big year for those guys. But we could talk for hours on it. I, I agree with you. I'm anxious to see what that brings as that technology gets deployed and improves like all technology. You know, a funny thing about Elon that uh, and Elon Musk and his companies being a Tesla owner, one of the things that you really acknowledge early on with that, with those cars is it the frequent software updates. 
And what I, you know, kind of attain, I'm like, wow, they are consistently improving and tweaking their products. Mm-hmm. I would, I would expect to see that through Starlink. Very similar mythology, you know, it just continues continuously to improve uh, via software and via their their model. Mm-hmm. So very cool. Yeah. So, um, and this actually is another good segue. So really what I think the big impact is to, to bring it to a, to kind of a conclusion on the, 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 the Starlink and the other satellite providers is it's going to be a big impact to the digital divide issue in the U S right. Bringing broadband to the rural U S but, but the other thing that's also going to have a big impact, I believe is the new infrastructure bill that just got passed. Right. Yeah. There is, um, I'm trying to remember the exact, I think it's $56 billion in that bill. I might have the number off a bit, but in that, that ballpark to work on digital divide and rural broadband. It's 65. 65. You had them transposed. All right. Thank you. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of bees. (laughs) A lot of bees. So, uh, so yeah. So at the same time that you're going to start seeing Starlink and, and those types of things, help with the digital divide, you're also going to see a lot of activity in 2022 around that money hitting the street and deployment of networks, not just wireless, but you know, fiber. You're going to see utility companies, you're going to see municipalities, you're going to see private companies deploying broadband networks across rural America in, in significant amounts because that's that's a significant amount of network that that can pay for if done right. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. So $65 billion, let's think about that number. That's what the big three wireless carriers were spending per year every year for the last 15, 20 years. And you get, you get that for the internet. I, I, I kind of see it going like this. Uh, the way it works is I see communities in rural areas getting lit, mm-hmm. right? So Starlink has a place here. It takes a few years to light communities. You know, we know that the fiber deployment is not easy in those communities. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. But that'll be the first wave. And then the communities will be lit. And then the rural areas around the communities yeah, will be will be the case. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that um, in some cases, it may be those communities themselves that make it happen. I mean, this started happening, you know, probably five years ago where communities would build their own network where the community owns and operates the network. And so it'll be interesting to see how that money gets divvied out, how the federal government, you know, I know they're putting a lot of faith and responsibility on individual states to help direct a lot of that money and how that money gets spent. So you're going to see your state and local agencies get really involved. You, you may see, you know, items come up for election in 2022 on your local ballot that revolve around giving your local agency or community authority and rights to own and operate a broadband network, for example. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see. And, and I think the extension of that coming full circle back to the the big three cellular carriers, the Verizon, AT&T and T-Mobile, and, and even the regional carriers is, you know, they're already, and, and we'll talk a, a bit about this and maybe this is a good point to, to transition to that is, you know, they've been pretty stressed this year, supply chain, workforce. It's been tough for them, chip shortages. I That's going to continue into next year. And I think that those same resources are now also going to be tapped for these kinds of initiatives that are not cellular carrier based, rural broadband, local agencies deploying. So 
it's the same workforce and it's the same supply chains that are going to have to support all of that stuff on top of the stuff the big three are always doing. So it's going to be, I'll tell you, if you're working in this industry, you're not going to have a shortage of stuff to keep you busy. It's going to be a busy, busy year. And I, I think that you're going to see not just continuation, but maybe even worsening of some of the supply chain issues. Yeah, agreed. <clears throat> labor, labor, definitely. We are, we're definitely seeing um, labor wage inflation. Mm. You know what I mean? And so what happens there? Telecom's always been kind of one of those industries where you could jump and go make a few dollars more. I think it'll be exa- exacerbated in 2022 because there'll be, so I, I've started to see it across roles. Uh, Cause I mean, you know, I mean, you've been in the industry forever. People are telling me, Hey man, they're paying me like 200 K a year. Normally that role would have been like 105, 110,000. Mm-hmm. And so the push and the labor demands really going to put, there's going to be plenty of cash to get things done. Everybody's just going to have to wait in line for the projects. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one thing that will happen, which a lot of people may or may not know is when you talk about fiber deployment, you know, and you talk about OSP fiber deployment, is that continues to happen? You know, that's just not for, it's for anyone who wants to buy capacity. Mm-hmm. Right. So there'll be, the carriers will also understand that. And, in, in order to deal with supply chain issues, they will take advantage of the Rural Broadband Act and infrastructure to build out their networks continuously. So you'll see, you'll yes, you'll see the, the, you know, the deployment in rural communities. Those guys can jump on it and then have the capital justification to build out their network to those remote areas. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it's always, it's a good thing. I mean, um, more fiber. Back in the 2000s, when we were doing the first fiber, we were like, no one's ever going to use this. Nowadays, it is a big part of the world. I did see today that the first, I think Nokia and someone tested the first 25G circuit. Oh, wow. Wow. You know what I mean? So that technology is improving and we'll continue to see improvements within the fiber world and speed through 2022. Do you you think that we will see, you talked about OSP um, outside plant fiber deployments. You know, I I think if you look kind of holistically across the U S the bulk of that work has been done in the urban corridor. Right. Um, Mm. In fact, it can be argued that with regard to fiber broadband, many cities are overbuilt. There's way more capacity than there's need for in a lot of urban corridors from the standpoint of urban fiber broadband. You've got mm-hmm. multiple sources you can go to to get access. You know, those networks are not overstressed in terms of a capacity standpoint. But in the rural world, it's the opposite, right? There's just a non-existence of fiber in many cases. And and whatever does exist does have, you have limited options. You might only have one option. Do you think we're going to start seeing the 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 broadband spending with infrastructure bill and other initiatives really impact fiber outside the urban corridor in, in, in rural, or do you think it's going to be more technologies that are quicker to market like wireless? No, no, I think there's a huge from the folks that we know in the fiber industry, mm-hmm. we work with a great company called Clearfield and stuff. They're starting to see this broadband, this, this infrastructure bill is huge for their companies. Mm-hmm. And so I do think these, these dollars will go to more of the rural areas. I think it's one of the issues with fiber sometimes is the ability to utilize it in capacity planning. You know, do we have the records that show, show what we've actually built? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's one of the, uh, a huge 
probably an opportunity for someone to actually figure that out. But I do think, um, I think what happens when you get wireless to whatever rural area, I mean, not wireless, but fiber, wireless comes next immediately. Sure. It's a big enabler. Yeah. It's a giant enabler. So if you get, say, pick a community somewhere out, rural Texas or way out there, you know, they finally get fiber there, then it's, it's easy to build a virtual wireless network there without with a little infrastructure cost just to provide basic wireless coverage in those mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. And what comes next? Fixed 5G, right? Because it's really easy to do in some of those not geographically challenged areas unlike some. So I do I do think the f- building the fiber network and the OS and improving OSP will um, will to your point bring more bring more wireless services. I also think that some of that spending uh, will be the two differences between dark fiber, mm-hmm. which some of that new infrastructure spending will be used for private network availability. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you think rural areas, what do you think out there? You know, you think big solar wind farms, they're not in cities, they're way out mm-hmm. rural. And those kind of that industry, whether it's oil and gas or renewables or even agriculture out there and manufacturing and food process, they all need rural broadband infrastructure in order to connect their companies and their infrastructure. Yeah. So, yeah. And in fact, I think, you know, I've mentioned it this last year on an episode, um, you know, one of the leading private wireless networks uh, in the U S in 2021 that was deploying networks was, um, was Caterpillar and John Deere. John Deere, John Deere. Right? Headless, yeah. Both of those companies are, uh, they, they, they bought spectrum. They own spectrum for private wireless. And so, you know, they've already been kind of a, a leader. And so you would expect that the next natural extension for them is to help broadband within the rural community, because that's an extension of of their capabilities. So um, yeah, that's a good point. And, and I think the other thing too, is fiber deployments in rural US, while they're, they're big in terms of long distance, they're straightforward. They're not, you're not, you're not digging up streets in the middle of the city dealing with you know, gas lines and, you know, sewer lines. And, you know, it's pretty easy to to do a long trench on the side of a highway through an easement next to a farm. Right. Uh, So, and, and, you know, even aerial through power lines and things like that. Utility companies, I think are going to play a big role. You know, the, the federal government years ago recognized that, you know, what industry figured out how to get service to every home in the middle of the country better than any other industry? Utility company. They figured out how to get power to a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere with super low density of homes years and years ago. So the federal agencies have figured that out over the years. And so I expect to see some of the spending go to, you know, agencies like agricultural departments and um, farming agencies to leverage um, what the utility industry already knows how to do for broadband deployments as well. Yeah. A good thing that I always I thought was super fascinating and, you know, I know people don't do this like they used to, but when you look at a map, right, when you look at a map, you see, what do you see on there? You see main thoroughfare, highways, you can see rail, rail, and then you can see gas and oil lines and transmission lines and utilities. All of those were the backbone of the initial fiber deployment across the country. So when we talk about it, you know, a lot of this stuff has been done once before. It just didn't go that extra mile because of technology. So it's not hard to think that 
this will be a really big, you know, impetus to bring the rural broadband and connect the next digital divide through all kinds of uh, different types of technologies. Mm -hmm. But since we segued a little bit, do you want to talk a little bit about private network in 2022? It's pretty darn exciting. If you ask me, man, I'm like super (laughs) stoked for it. I think getting into the specifics will probably take, uh, take us into another episode. (laughs) So, so maybe we dive into it from a high level. Let's talk about it from a high level. And then, in uh, the next episode, let's dive into some specific use cases maybe that we predict will be coming up, um, specific technologies we expect to see starting to pop up with both private and public uh, wireless networks. Um, but yeah, I think private network next year is going to next year is going to be the the coming out party for private networks. I mean, people have just been dabbling in it up till now. I think we're going to see huge, huge announcements, huge deployments of private networks next year. What do you think? hundred oh, percent. We're starting to see them at Vertex. We're working on some projects into the future, into 2022. That's really exciting. Uh-huh. I do think that one of the big, you know, I think factors besides, excuse me, connectivity uh, is the use of data and AI mm-hmm. to make sure companies can actually use what they're creating. The next part though, man, it's gotta be security. Mm-hmm. You know, how do these, how do these companies, build a network that they can protect against cyber threats to their mm-hmm. manufacturing, to the blockchain, all of those things. So I'm super excited for 2022. I think we will see, see some projects. There'll be a lot of business opportunities around them uh, in the private network space. And they'll start to be, they'll start to be, you know, in ex- expectation of CIOs everywhere. Yeah. But you bring up a good point. The the security, cybersecurity aspect of private networks could be a little bit of a dampening factor in 2022. If, you know, certain companies may progress a little slower, a little more diligently to make sure that, you know, they're not making any missteps from a security standpoint. So I could see that. But like we said in past episodes, the private networks themselves offer a significant advantage for security. So in the absence of private networks, you know, they may see that they're at bigger risk. And so diving into a private network may actually be a significant step for them from a security standpoint as well. So that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on for sure. And I, I think we, uh, I think we'll, uh, you know, we'll probably spend a little bit more time as well on, on that next year in terms of security as it relates to, to telecom and wireless. Yeah. And like one of the things I'm going to go back for me and you, if there's a listener out there and you're CIO and you're, you're in a company and you want you know, a consultation to sit down and talk about what it is. We want to do it with you. Mm-hmm. We want to like, cause it's new technology. There's new equipment, menu OEMs and different things out there. So we would love to explore those, talk about them on the podcast. I think it's super exciting to where it brings these different companies. And, you know, we, we, we started this on finance for, for companies that grow and move data, you know, this is a big key area in you know, your IT spend. And if you have multiple locations, you have, you know, security, you have a corporate headquarters, you have manufacturing facilities, you want to be able to get that on your own network. Otherwise, you're using providers that may be unique and different in each city or geographical location, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're going to start to control that. So there's, it's a, it's a, futuristic, I mean, not only say futuristic, I just think it's something that any CIO and any company will want to learn how to control the cost of scaling this data. Cloud's great. 
if you're not careful, it can cost you a lot of money with the data that you store and you move around into the cloud. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and where that used to be one purchase that depreciated over time. Now it's ongoing costs and it continues to grow as you grow more data. Yeah. So super exciting technology. You know, I'm looking forward to uh, jumping into other episodes around private network for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a good stopping point for, for this episode. I think we're kind of, you know, I, I've kind of gotten through the bulk of, of, you know, my predictions from a big, big picture standpoint of business and finance and, and what next year looks like. I, I do think uh, as a consumer, I'll maybe close out that for consumers, you know, we'll, we'll see a lot more people seeing 5G show up on their phone, right? Um, we'll probably see the biggest impact in sort of in, ter- in terms of noticing a difference in terms of your experience, more likely in large venues, right? Stadiums, hospitals, things like that. Maybe some some hot spots in dense urban corridors. You might start to see or feel that you know an enhancement in service. I do think whether we actually experience it, there's going to be a lot of talk about this metaverse, right? The 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 yeah. technology enabling sort of the virtual and the real world kind of commingling and becoming one. I think we're going to see and hear a ton about it. You're already seeing the stock market move right now with companies like NVIDIA and their ability to do AI processing to support, you know, graphically intensive processes and, you know, on Facebook's renaming. But whether or not we'll actually see that and experience that as consumers in 2022, we might start to touch on it a little bit is my prediction, but we're going to see and hear a ton about it because there's not a lot of other big use cases that are consumer focused that 5g is going to enable as much as it is in the private side and in the, the back office side and the, the infrastructure side of, of the world we live in. But that's kind of my prediction. I'm usually wrong with my predictions, but we'll see. <laughs> well, that's, it's hard to put up and you need to put your finger on it. I agree with you. Those are great. I think we'll see, if, you know, 2022, we'll start to see more applications of AI, mm-hmm. how it's used and how it's, you know, maybe some more guidelines around it in 2022, you know, um, metaverse is pretty amazing to think about it, but you know, I'm old fashioned. (laughs) I like being in this universe outdoors, (laughs) enjoying, you know what I mean? Outside exercising, breathing the fresh air Mm -hmm. and those kind of things. But you know, I think I'll, we'll wrap it up for this episode. Thanks for joining us and sharing your wisdom, man. Yeah, likewise. And, and I'm glad you reminded uh, our listeners, uh, you know, if you do have areas that you need help or areas that you think we should tackle, 5gguys.com, go check us out, reach out to us. We uh, just this week had another listener that reached out uh, looking for some assistance and we've been happy to, to connect with them. And so uh, don't, don't be shy. Uh, look forward to hearing from you guys. And until next time, we'll see you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the 5G Guys. For more resources and to connect with Dan and Wayne, check out their website at 5GGuys.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. 